I talk about Bible prophecy, one question always comes up. What, what is that? What do you reckon that is, Natalie? When is Jesus coming back? <laughs> it's all, it always comes down to a question of timing. And how close are we to the second coming? How uh, uh, do you think that these are the last days? Could the rapture happen soon? And how do uh, the recent world events fit into the bigger picture of end times? Now, all of those are fair questions, and I can't blame anyone for asking these kind of questions because I ask them myself. You and I can hardly look at Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25 um, and passages like this without wondering how near or how far we are from the return of Christ. And certainly the events playing out in Eastern Europe make us all realise how make us all realise how unstable world events really are, and how quickly things can change. And so it's a fair question, and not just a 21st century Christian question. The disciples asked that, that very same question of Jesus 2,000 years ago: When will all these things happen? That's what they asked. And despite his answer, Jesus. He says, you cannot know the time, so you must be ready at all times. In fact, the last recorded question the disciples asked Jesus was about end times. In Acts chapter 1 verse 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Seconds later, Jesus ascended into heaven and has not been seen on planet earth since then. It's instructive for us that the disciples never lost their interest in the time question. If they wanted to know, it can't be wrong for us to also know either. But we must also notice Jesus' very crisp answer in verse 7. It says, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Note the phrase, it is not for you to know. While that might sound like a very gentle put-down, it is also a reminder that some things simply are not revealed to us, no matter how much we ask, beg, plead or pray. The future is hidden in the heart and the mind of God and He does not reveal the future unless He chooses to do so. There is also, in Jesus' words, a reassuring note that the future will not happen in a willingly sort of way. All things, times and seasons are fixed by divine authority. So the truth looks like this. God knows the future because he has ordained the future. God reveals the existence of certain future events through biblical prophecy. God chooses not to reveal the timing of those future events. The perspective or the truth this morning comes through through very clearly in Matthew 24. In verses 32 to 33, Jesus twice says, you know, referring to the signs of the times. But in verse 36, he warns us that no one knows the day or the hour of his coming. And he says it explicitly in verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Now, some readers may see a contradiction here. Twice Jesus says, you know. Once he says, no one knows. And once he says, you do not know. So which is it? Do we know or do we not know? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. 
Yes. We know some things and we don't know other things. We know the signs of the times. That means we can study the course of this age and see the signs mentioned in Matthew 24. As we observe the tempo and the events across the centuries, we can reasonably conduct or conclude that this age is building up to a climax and that the coming Christ is drawing near. But when all that is said and done, we are still making guesses and inferences as we study the course of history and attempt to read the signs as they multiply around us. We do not know and we cannot know the exact time of the Lord's return. Therefore, all speculation this morning is useless and often spiritually dangerous. So we cannot sum- so we can sorry summarize things in three simple statements. Jesus is coming back. We can't be certain when he will return. We should always be ready because he might come back any moment. We will think about so when we think about the second coming, we ought to adopt a bo- the, the Boy Scout motto. What's that? What's the Boy Scout motto? Be prepared. Be prepared. Great, there were some Boy Scouts here. <laughs> be prepared. Jesus is coming. No one knows the day or the hour, so be ready. Be prepared. Live as it might be today, and you'll be glad to see him when he arrives. We face two dangers whenever we talk about the second coming being more concerned about the dates, the signs, and his return, being more concerned about those things. And secondly, ignoring the truth of the second coming and living as though he will never return. Frankly, I don't know which one is worse. They're both pretty bad. In our text, Jesus gives us four truths about the timing of his return. Each one teaches us something important about how we are to live as we wait for Christ's return. So, the first truth about the timing of Jesus' return. We cannot know the precise moment when Christ will return. Verse 36 says, No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. This verse plainly plainly says that no one will know the precise moment of Christ's return. No one can know the day or the hour. The best we can do is to read the signs of the times, read the signs, and conclude that we are nearing the end of the age. But even then, we can't be certain. If anyone tells you that they have pinpointed the very year, the month, the day, the hour of Jesus' return, don't believe them. That person is either a false prophet or a seriously deluded Bible student. Jesus strictly forbids seeing dates of his return. As much as we might like to know when Christ will return, it's better that we don't know. If we knew the precise date, it would tend to make us proud and arrogant because we would possess knowledge that others do not. And it might make us spiritually lazy as well. Most of us tend to put off things to the last minute. How many procrastinators do we have in the building this morning? Amen. And so it's better that we don't know when Jesus comes back because we try to get our lives completely in order within the last 24 hours, wouldn't we? (laughs) So the first important truth is we don't know and we can't know the precise time. This much can be sure. Jesus is coming back to planet Earth. That's for sure. His return is more certain than the existence of the universe. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words, which is in this context, means the announcement of his return, will never pass away. That's what the scripture says, isn't it? We can trust Jesus will keep his word. He is coming back. The second truth about the timing of Jesus' return, the world will be completely unprepared for his coming. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at a handmill, one will be taken, and the other will be left. Here Jesus makes a very simple comparison. As it was in the days of Noah. So it shall be when Jesus returns. What was it like in the days of Noah? It was business as usual. While Noah patiently built the ark and warned the men and women of the coming judgment, they laughed at him. They said, it will never happen. Noah's day was like our day, an age of sceptical unbelief and casual unconcern. The more Noah preached, the more he, his contemporaries mocked him. They refused to believe that anything like a worldwide flood was possible. The notion was so ridiculous that they could not take Noah seriously. So for years and years, life continued without change. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Each passing day, old Noah looked more and more like a fool. But finally, the heavens opened. The fountains broke forth from the crusts of the earth. The rain came down. The waters rise. When Noah entered the ark, I'm sure his friends were pounding on the door saying, Noah, oh, we're sorry. We're sorry. You were right. We were wrong. Open up. Let us in. But it's too late. The flood came. Took them away. Think about that. An entire generation wiped out by the hand of God. One moment you're sitting down eating dinner, the next your home has been washed away. Perhaps you're working in the field and then suddenly the field has disappeared under a wall of water. And it happened so suddenly that no one expected it. Noah and his family were ready. Out of the whole world, only eight people were saved. Everyone else perished as the flood waters rolled across the surface of planet Earth. This is what the second coming will be like for the unbelieving world. It will be business as usual. The day, the very day Jesus returns, it will just be business as usual. Just as the people did not believe Noah, even so the world mocks the idea that Jesus will return. They call it a myth. They call it a legend. A nice fairy tale. But they don't believe it will really happen. And just as the flood brought sudden judgment to the world, the return of Christ will do the same. When the floodwaters came, the unbelieving were taken in sudden death so that only Noah and his family were left. When Jesus returns to earth, unbelievers will once again be taken in death and judgment and only believers will be preserved by God. And just as the ark saved Noah, so Jesus Christ is the ark of safety for those who believe in him. Jesus tells us, that this present age will end in sudden dramatic judgment and a complete and final separation of the saved and the lost. 
The world will not expect it and will therefore be completely unprepared. We should learn from this that the world will not be converted before Christ's return. While it is true that the gospel is going forth in more places and in more languages than ever before, it is also true that persecution and anti-Christian hostility is also on the rise. This should not surprise us. The Bible says that in the last days, perilous times will come. And so as we approach the end of the age, the Bible says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, Rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In the last days, there will be an outbreak of evil unmatched in world history. To say this is not to be pessimistic, I say this not to be pessimistic, but but ultimately realistic, utterly realistic. Today, the godly and the ungodly are mingled together. We live together, we eat together, we work together, we play together. We live in the same towns and suburbs. We go to the same restaurants. We cheer on for the same sports teams. We wear the same clothes, we read the same books. And in thousands of other ways, the saved and the lost seem alike. This is how Jesus said it would be. Two men in the field, or two women grinding at the handmill. They seem exactly the same. There is no obvious outward difference. Yet the truth, yet the truth difference between them is the difference between heaven and hell. Only one will be taken and one will be left. When Jesus comes back, the, the most intimate relationships will be severed. Husband taken from wives, sisters taken from brothers, uncles taken from aunts, grandchildren taken from grandchildren. Sorry, grandchildren take and, and grandparents left. <laughs> One friend taken, another left. One neighbour taken, another neighbour left. The separation will be sudden, definite, final and eternal. There will be no appeal of the decision, no request for a rehearing and no possibility of repentance. This is a sobering truth to consider. Some will be saved, others will be lost. And no one will be saved simply by being close to a saved person. You aren't saved because your husband or your wife is saved. If you neglect to come to Christ when he returns, you will be eternally separated from your loved ones who truly know the Lord. So close may count for horseshoes and hand grenades, but it doesn't count at all when it comes to salvation. The third truth about the timing of Jesus' return, we must be ready because Christ may return at any moment. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you will not expect him. Notice the phrase in verse 42, keep watch, and the command in verse 44, be ready. This summarises how believers should view the second coming of Christ. 
How does a thief come to your house? Does he ring the doorbell? <laughs> Suddenly and unannounced, right? After all, if you knew a thief was coming at 3.15am on a Thursday morning, would you be ready for him? Yes. Or her? Yes. But thief, the, the thief really calls to make an appointment in advance, doesn't he? I'll try to be there at 3.15, but it might be a bit closer to 4am. Because, yeah, because you've got, I've got two of the houses that I've got to rob. But it would help me if you could just pile up all your stuff in the middle of your lounge room. So, so I don't have to go searching through your house for it, okay? And if you don't mind just leaving that front door unlocked, that would save me a lot of time. It never happens like that, does it? Suppose that thief had been working your neighbourhood. How would you protect yourself against him? Well, yes, you would lock your doors, close your windows, get a security alarm, get a big hungry Rottweiler too, possibly. <laughs> now, after you do all that, the burglar probably won't come for many nights. In fact, you're probably going to need uh, to be uh, precautious for probably 999 days. But on the thousandth day, you'll be glad that you were ready. Jesus is coming like a thief in the night. When we least expect him, he will return to planet Earth. Therefore, keep your eyes on the skies and be ready at any moment to meet the Lord face to face. And so this is the message of Advent this morning. We must be always on guard, eyes wide open, always watching, looking and waiting for our Lord's return. Now, finally, the fourth truth about the timing of Jesus' return. While we wait we are to be faithful in our assigned tasks. In verse 45, Jesus uses the word faithful to describe the proper attitude of his followers while we wait for his return. Then he told, excuse me, he told a most instructive story. There was once a rich man who owned a vast estate. Therefore, he left his appointed one of his servants to run the estate while he was gone. The man was to handle all the money and oversee all the other servants until the master returned from his journey. He didn't say how long he was going to go for the master, only that one day he would return. In turn, out of in, in turn, out uh, out in turn, the master uh, had you know we we saw that the master had gone for a long, long, long time, much longer than anyone expected. But the servant. He was that he put in charge, kept saying to himself, my master is coming back someday, my master is coming back someday, and it might be today. I've got to keep things running well, so when my master comes back, he will be pleased when he finally returns, and one day the master did return, so that servant had been faithful, saw the servant had been faithful, and he gave that servant a vast reward. But suppose the servant didn't believe the master, or suppose he believed at first and then lost hope because the master was gone for so long. Days, weeks became months, months became years, and years became decades. Finally, the servant says to himself, my master's not coming back. He's never going to come back. He lied to me. Or he's forgotten, or he's changed his mind. Maybe he's never meant to come back at all. Maybe it's just a story. He's keep, just to keep me busy. So the servant begins to beat the other workers and he starts drinking and carousing and spending the master's money. 
After all, the master's been away for over 2,000 years. How serious can he be about coming back? So the servant rationalises, my master's never coming back. So the servant demoralises and beats the fellow servants. He comp- he's compromised. He eats and drinks with drunkards. But one day, suddenly, unannounced, the master returned. But this time, there would be no reward. When he saw how wicked the servant had uh, doubted his word, he ordered him uh, to be cast from the house. He was no different than the hypocrites and the unbelievers. So it will be when Jesus returns. Those who remain faithful will be rewarded. Those who doubt his word and squander their opportunities will be greatly punished. This Advent, how can you be ready for Christ's return? There's a book, an Australian Christian author wrote, uh, his name is Michael Frost, and in that book he parallels the postmodern Christian church, and that's all of us, by the way, uh, with an airline lounge. So as we've discussed, Jesus is coming back to take us to heaven. So we're now saved, and we're in the church, and we've got our passport, our visa, and our boarding pass, and now we're all just sitting waiting for the plane called Jesus to come so that we could be taken off to heaven. Here's the problem. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. And the plane called Jesus is delayed by 2,000 years. So we have been herded into the waiting room, as Michael Frost imagines, an airline lounge called the church. Now, if if you've ever sat in one of those airline lounges, you'll appreciate what I'm about to say. Most of the people that are sitting around in those places have expressions on their face that could sour milk. It's such a depressing sight. If you've ever sat in an airline lounge, they don't want to be there because, because they want to be somewhere else. They're waiting. These individuals have no purpose to be there. As they poke their and touch their iPads and their iPhones and their laptops... And sadly, the Christian church is the same. Michael Frost says this. He says, Western Christians today are being swept away by a culture that is rootless and disengaged, connected to our world more and more through screens rather than face-to-face. In our longing to get to heaven, we see no purpose to be here. We are all waiting with our visas, passports, boarding passes, and waiting for the Jesus plane to come in the airline departure lounge called the church. And many times we complain and we murmur and we gossip because of the delay. However, Jesus never calls his followers to be such a thing or to be in such a place. Instead, he calls us to be what? Faithful. Faithful in doing whatever he gives us. So today, be faithful today and you'll be ready tomorrow. Be faithful tomorrow and you'll be ready tomorrow. Be faithful next week and you'll be ready next week. Be faithful next year and you'll be ready next year. So here's the biblical balance as we wait for the Lord's return. Live as though he might come today. So I do not claim to know when Jesus will return, but I hope and I pray that it will be soon. It seems to me that many of the pieces of the uh, are in place, the table is set, and we are not far from the moment when the curtain will rise on the final act of human history. 
of this much, I'm sure Jesus is coming back to planet Earth. I don't know when Jesus is coming. It may be soon, maybe today. In the meantime, what should we do to be ready for his return? Well, Matthew 24 has the answer. Live each day as though it might be your last, and one day you will be right. Be faithful. It's the second one. Be faithful to each and every day which the Lord gives to you to do. And if Jesus comes back on that day, you will be ready to meet him. There's an old story about a time when Satan was training three apprentice devils. He asked the first one how he proposed to deceive people. I will tell them that there's no God. That will never work, Satan replied. Everyone knows that there's a God. The second one volunteered that he would tell people there is no hell. That won't work either. Everyone knows uh, that, that everyone knows there must be a hell. Then the third apprentice devil spoke up. I will tell them that there is no hurry. Satan smiled and said, you will deceive millions. And that has been one of Satan's chief tactics for millennia. He wins multitudes by convincing people there is no hurry. They have plenty of time to think about God, plenty of time to come to Christ, plenty of time to be forgiven. But it's not true. If Jesus were to come back today, would you be ready for him? Are you ready to meet the Lord today? If you say, I hope so, or I'm not sure, then you aren't ready. Remember what Jesus said would happen when he returns. One will be taken, one will be left. Which group will you be in? One preserved by God, the other taken in judgment. What will happen to you when Christ returns? If you don't know him, you aren't ready to meet him. But you can be ready by opening your heart and trusting him as your Lord and Saviour. Rest all your hope with rest all your hope in what Christ did for you as he died on the cross and raised from the dead. Rest your full weight on Jesus. Pin your hopes on Jesus. Lay aside your trust in everything that you have ever done and trust in Jesus alone. Jesus is coming. The question is, are you ready? Please pray with me. Almighty God, ruler of the ages, please give me patience and attentiveness while I wait for the coming of Jesus. May I be found faithful and righteous when Jesus comes. And please help me as I seek to influence those in my family, my friends, my community, not only to love Jesus, but also to anticipate his coming. In the name of Jesus, my coming King, I pray. Amen. Amen.